0: Hello, Fully Expressed listeners. I'm your host, Chris Marhefka, and today I have a very special guest interview, my friend, my mentor, my soul sister, and my business partner at Training Camp for the Soul, Anat Perry. Anat is the founder of Training Camp for the Soul over six years ago. She's spent over 15 years in the personal development space and has led over 25 transformational retreats, some of them alongside yours truly. Anat and I have known each other for about three years, and she was a catalyst for my transformation when I did Training Camp for the Soul personally as a client over two and a half years ago. Anat is a powerful yet grounded, present, and loving force. She is a depth of wisdom, and in this episode, we dive a lot into that wisdom. We also dive into her personal story, her journey to training camp for the soul, her journey to facilitating this work, and hint, it wasn't without its own bumps and bruises, and it wasn't always easy. Anat went through her own version of her surrender experiment, where she was forced to change And shift her identity multiple times to be the person she is today. If anything about this episode resonates with you and you're interested in the work that Anat and myself facilitate at Training Camp for the Soul, please head over to trainingcampforthesoul.com and follow Training Camp for the Soul on Instagram at Training Camp for the Soul. Thank you all for listening. And if this episode touches you, Please share it with someone you love that you think it might be helpful for. Please also leave us a review. And thank you so much for listening.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fully Express podcast. I'm here with a very special guest my business partner at Training Camp for the Soul, Anat Perry. Anat has spent uh, well over a decade in this space and is a transformational coach, facilitator, healer, and all around amazing human and my soul sister on this planet. We were just saying before we pressed record that uh, this is going to be a fun one because I actually know quite a bit about Anat, at least the Anat that I knew for the last two and a half years. We've known each other, well, we first spoke in
2: 2018. Yeah,
1: in May. In -hmm. May, Yeah. And not has an amazing memory. We'll, we will definitely find for that out time. on the podcast. If
2: you ask me what movie I saw <laughs> last night, I wouldn't remember. But for some reason, I remembered Dates.
1: <laughs> yeah. We spoke because I had just heard about Training Camp for the Soul. And I was, I think it would be generous to say I was interested. I think Bryn was interested. My ex-wife was interested in doing the program. And I think I was there to bring the resistance, <laughs> which was my identity back then, but and not broke me down and really guided me to what was possible for myself. And then finally, somehow, my story on me interviewing <laughs> you. <laughs> you
2: said you were sweating.
1: Oh, sweating, yeah. And ended up doing your program
2: yeah.
1: back in January 2019.
3: hmm. Mm hmm.
2: Little did we know, little. we really didn't, I had no idea that I'd be sitting across from you as my co-facilitator and business partner, mm-hmm. so um, the universe just supports us, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely does. How did you get into this work? I know this story, but I think it would help listeners a little bit. How'd you get into this work? What's the story of you getting to this point today?
2: You know, when I was in high school, I was the person that friends always came to for advice. God knows what I said to them to (laughs) rewind the movie and press play and probably, who knows. But whatever it was, it created a level of peace of mind for them. And they always came back like I was the one. Mm -hmm. I was the oh, wise one. And. So there was always this interest in understanding people and psychology. And I considered getting a degree, going to college for psychology. And then the idea of eight years of schooling turned me off because it's never been the way that I learn. Sitting in a classroom and just having information be thrown at me. I'm definitely an experiential learner. so I went a different route and majored in finance and business, which actually I think you did it's as well. And, <laughs> and
1: funny enough, I don't think I ever told you this. I was getting a minor in psychology and I took the first course, 101, psych 101. It was the only class that I dropped in my whole college career because I just hated it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So now and, we
2: knew that wasn't, yeah. that, we, we, didn't not, want, we didn't want that beginning,
4: yeah. mm-hmm. that
2: imprint yes, yeah, so I went that route. And when you work in finance, companies like that, they are growth oriented. Mm-hmm. And so they always brought in different opportunities for us to grow and develop. And so the world of self-development found me anyways, mm-hmm. in my mid-20s. And what led me to it was my relationship with my mother. It always seemed We were butting heads Mm -hmm. and I remember agreeing to do a course and she's like, I'll pay for us to do it. I was like, okay, and you'll see that I'm right and you're wrong. And that wasn't the case. And it was such a gift to begin to embark on getting to know my operating system, getting to know it's been running the show. And I spent eight years doing developmental work that was good but it it lacked the full connection it Mm -hmm. was more cognitive mindset so i became a master of language and knowing how to identify what was there for me and i spent five of those years also volunteering in leadership roles at this organization so it developed me a lot as a coach. It did. And I look back and I know that was my path for that reason. But eight years into it, I had nothing to show for it personally mm-hmm. in my own transformation. I was 32 years old at the time, about $40,000 in debt, some of which, or a big chunk of which was self-development. So good investment. Living in New York City, been a five-year relationship that was very codependent and lacked passion and definitely should have ended long before. Didn't love myself, lost in my career, hopping from startup to startup and also taking jobs like being an executive assistant, which they knew I was overqualified for, but I was living in survival, needing to make money and at the same time that... New York saying of, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. So just like keep pushing through, keep forcing. One day, someday, it's just going to click. And so chasing opportunities there, being a good connector, being good in sales, thinking that I can make it. I knew what was best for me. And then about nine years ago, around this time, nine years ago, I was eating half a pint of ice cream every night. And I don't even care for dessert. Um, I was just seeking pleasure and joy in something because I was so disconnected from myself in really listening. That I was so unhappy. Mm-hmm. I was unhappy, unfulfilled in my relationship, in my career, in living in New York City, mm. and just depressed. Yeah. I wouldn't say depressed like clinically or anything like that, but just. Deeply, deeply unhappy and unsatisfied and close to that rock bottom. And the universe stepped in and helped to (laughs) push me (laughs) over the edge because I wasn't listening. And my relationship of five years came to an abrupt end. He met someone and I look back now and I'm always so grateful, Mm -hmm. but he met someone else and I could just tell something shifted and we wrapped that up and ended it. And to me, that was my rock bottom of, I don't have anything my heart desires here. This isn't what I want. And two days later, bought a one-way ticket to California with Mm -hmm. no job, no car, no home, no plan. And $2,000 to my name and a lot of debt that I stopped paying. <laughs> <laughs> I have rebuilt my credit, though. Yeah. But yeah, that was the reality. Mm-hmm. And three weeks later, so October 4th will be my nine-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. I was on a plane, heartbroken, bitter, resentful, angry, scared but just knew that there was nothing there that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with San Diego in my early 20s, first time I was here. And so there was always this, one day I'll be ready for San Diego as my home.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And so that I knew. I was like, okay, the one thing I am certain of is my heart desires San Diego. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Everything else, I don't know. And clearly, I don't know what's best for me. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: (laughs) Because everything that I've known, studied thought has gotten me here to this moment
1: yeah speak a little bit more on that because i think a lot of people would be asking okay so if i don't know what's best for me who does
2: the universe god whatever you want to call it sometimes we choose to surrender and let go of some control and be shown that and sometimes it takes hitting that Rock bottom of like, I really don't know. And I read some books in my early 20s A Return to Love by Marion Williamson and Celestine Prophecy. And they planted seeds that I believe in that moment started to really germinate and grow. And I just got to California and I was vulnerable. And just wanted time to heal and process everything in my life in New York and five year relationship. uh, We were never married, but we lived together pretty much for almost all five years. And I was very close with his family. And so it felt just like a divorce. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I just really wanted that. And I had a conversation with God and said, I don't know. I don't know what's best for me. So. I'm going to give the wheel back to you and I'm going to let you guide me. I'm curious. And I started to let go of everyday decisions, mm-hmm. little decisions so that I could start to build that relationship. So there's like what I wanted to do. Like, ooh, I think I want to go see my friend Elizabeth this evening. So of course, you take that action. I called her up and she's like, oh, I'm busy. I'm doing Mm -hmm. this, that. And then I'd say, okay, universe, Mm -hmm. (laughs) gotcha. You don't want me hanging out with friends tonight. And I was house sitting at the time here in, in Sunita's. And I look over at the bookshelf and this book, Dear Lover, by David data, Mm -hmm. just stood out to me. I mean, look at that title. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, yes, I'm listening. And I pulled it out of the shelf and I started reading it and I didn't put it down for two, three days until I finished it. And I cried that book was so nurturing, so healing at that moment in my life. And I was like, All right, universe, I'm listening. I see. I see that there's like what I want to do, which a lot of times, especially at that point, is an escape.
3: Yeah. It's
2: like your ego's desire more than what is really good for your highest and greatest. So I handed that power off to the universe of like, mm-hmm. guide me to what's really, truly best for me. And yeah, so started to build that relationship. And it was miraculous for meeting the right people within a month here in California, one of which led me to my job at the Troca center
3: Mm.
2: to someone else who led me to my home. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't look for a job. I interviewed, I got an insight. I didn't look for a house. The house came to me and it's a really beautiful gift I gave myself. Mm -hmm. And I think an important opportunity for everyone, Especially when you've hit that place of just being so tired trying to figure it out yourself. Mm. You don't need to. You really don't. So
1: you allowed yourself to be guided. You surrendered. And you're saying that a lot of the things that your ego or your mind wanted to do was distract. So if someone's in that situation where they're maybe hit their rock bottom and they're Trying to tell the difference between following the guidance and the guidance of the universe or following the guidance of their ego that just wants to distract them from being present. How does it feel different? Or is there anything that was really clear to you as you're in that process?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: It's messy. (laughs) you got to let it be messy because your ego is not going to go down without a fight. So it's not like, oh, I surrendered to the universe and the ego was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go to the beach and just chill. You don't need me? Okay. It was definitely a battle between mm. the two and moments where I got the gift of the universe and I was like, oh, see, and built more of a relationship mm. with that. And then moments where I reverted to my distractions and my ego and maybe experienced some moments of relief, but overall saw that it wasn't serving me.
3: Yeah.
2: It was really paying attention and recognizing where I am hurting myself or distracting myself. Like, looking at what my ex was doing on social media (laughs) that's that's the ego right and then it
3: was
1: a
2: journey it was Mm -hmm. a journey but one of the things that i took on about two months into being here was 100 days of dating me Mm -hmm. i I really got present to i had a coach a friend of mine who coached me and he gave me an assignment He said, I want you to come up with 10 loving moments with men in your life, starting with your father. He was coaching me because I was coming out of a relationship and I couldn't see it clearly. Mm -hmm. I was resentful. I was angry. And then a part of me also wanted him back. Yeah. That whole attachment thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it made me realize, it had me see where, how I don't have any loving memories with my dad as a little girl. Mm -hmm. And I never looked at that before. It was, I had daddy on a pedestal and I made up some story that I'm a daddy's girl and we have a great relationship. But really, he worked 16 hours a day and didn't spend much time with me. So for the first time in my eight years at that point of looking at myself, I saw that. And I saw how it impacted me. And I saw where I didn't love myself and where I was seeking love from others. And so I took on and I saw where my ego was constantly already looking for the next guy.
3: Yeah. To find
2: love in. Right. And so three weeks into between having that realization with my coach to declaring, I'm going to take on a hundred days of dating. me. Mm. So no distraction for men. So I put some boundaries on my ego. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to just explore what this is for the first time. Mm. And it was very basic compared mm-hmm. to if someone were to do it now, how much more I can support them and advise them. But proud of, proud of myself mm-hmm. for doing that, for giving myself 100 days to Every time I'm seeking outside of myself to give it to myself instead Mm -hmm. and continue to live in that exploration of being guided and surrender.
1: Mm. Another gift you gave yourself.
4: Mm
2: -hmm. So about eight months later was guided to my first medicine journey. Mm -hmm. My first experience of, well, I did mushrooms. I a teenager in LSD, but that was recreational. Yeah. Right? Um, my first, like, ceremony. Right. And, again, I wasn't seeking it. Mm. I just went to a potluck dinner, and my friend there was like, what are you doing tomorrow? My shaman's in town. Want to, you know, sit in ceremony? And I'm like, what's well, a shaman? Ceremony sounds cool. Okay. Mm. Really was just super open to receiving from the universe. And it was amazing. Mm. It was amazing in a sense of it was my first experience of being in my body. Mm. And during that whole ceremony, my body just shook. It just tremored. For those of you that don't know, tremoring is a very common form of release of how our nervous system downregulates. Boy, did was my nervous system wound up because I just shook like full body like a fish out of water for hours and it felt great and at the same time had the most beautiful visuals and so this plant medicine definitely welcomed me in with uh
3: yeah
2: <laughs> with ease so much so that the following night I was like I want to do it again <laughs> they were doing it two nights in a row yeah. and I'm uh-huh. like yeah I want more of that yeah And it was completely different. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, And I was ready for it. Mm. And there was a lot of memories and feeling into my younger self, my experience of not having daddy there. Mm. There was a lot of grieving and crying that and just so many memories popping up of my childhood or teenage years with others in high school, in elementary school, being picked on, being made fun of, not fitting in, all that. And I purged, right? I cried. I purged from every direction. <laughs> and so you could say, yeah, the energy was being released for sure. And it felt great. Coming out of it, though, I was aware because obviously I'm sitting here and I still yeah. remember it. Yeah. But what was missing was the connection to what actually got released, mm. what beliefs were there. And I didn't know that at the time. So I was just like loving it <laughs> and feeling great and ready to do it again. And <laughs> two months later, he was back and I did another weekend of it. And then two months later, I did another weekend of it. And I met, I think in the fourth ceremony, I met my boyfriend. I met my next boyfriend, mm. I should say. And I thought that purging and seeing all my daddy issues and all that stuff, and then meeting this guy like, oh, I haven't handled. I'm <laughs> good. It's cleared. I now have met the one, yeah. all that stuff. And the honeymoon period ends mm. and ends. All my daddy stuff Mm. come back up stronger than ever, which led me to my mentor. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: First, who was my therapist, body, mind, psychologist. And it was because of the relationship because I didn't want to fuck it up. (laughs) Didn't want to lose him. Mm -hmm. that it led me to doing the work. And when I came to him, he said to me, you're different. You have a lot of awareness i'm like oh fuck yeah <laughs> i have eight <laughs> years of awareness yeah he's like you're here for finishing touches i'm like please uh, please because it just felt like i was trimming weeds yeah and it was exhausting and he took me he taught me i learned how to not only work with the mindset which i had such strong practice of for years And then this newfound relationship to my body and my energy and my emotions. And he brought the two together. Mm -hmm. And between that and the divine orchestration of everything that unfolded in my relationship, I went through my healing, my dark night of the soul, uh, feeling what truly feeling, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which means it wasn't pleasant. I tell people from experience Transformation is not a walk in the park on a beautiful, sunny San Diego day. It's a walk through a burning forest and there's a dragon to slay. There was a lot of grief to move through, a lot of what we label as pain, a lot of sadness. I spent many weekends, because I was working a full-time job, but many weekends just by myself. Mm -hmm. Talk about easily saying Nope, not going to go to that party, that gathering. I was in spiritual surgery every weekend, tending to myself and, you know, meeting with my mentor once a week and moved through it in about four months. And he said to me, you have a gift with this. Mm. Would you ever want to do what I do? And I was like, no, he was a, you know, traditional therapist, model, sitting on a couch, come to meet him for an hour. And I'm like, I don't want to do this, but I appreciated the compliments. And I definitely experienced myself as well as we were working together, how half the time I was like coaching myself. I was the one I made his job. really (laughs) easy. He (laughs) said, usually six to nine months. And Mm -hmm. that's why he was like, you're advanced. Mm -hmm. You can get through this quickly. And yet it took me a whole year after that mm-hmm. to really integrate mm-hmm. my experience. But what I realized, I want to tie this back to my medicine journeys. When I started working with him, I realized what was missing with just doing plant medicine because plant medicine certain certain plants they just have a real ability to downregulate your nervous system and make you feel safe enough to be in your body. Mm-hmm. So, their strong body experience, with of course, if it's a psychedelic, then you're going to have visuals and insights and all that. But what was missing for me was enough conscious awareness of what it was that I was working mm-hmm. through. And when I worked with Dr. Barry, we uncovered beliefs that were there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And when I looked at my relationship with my father and having him always be doing something else, working. And having father be what I learned from Dr. Barry, the first love of my life, my role model for love, love and relationships, the world, others, what I learned was I'm invisible. If my dad is the world, is the role model for the world and the role model for others, and he's never around, well then I'm invisible to the world and I don't matter. And the other beliefs that came from my experience was men or others will always put something else before you. And that formed my script. And when I sat there, I remember sitting on the couch in one of my sessions and I was still in my relationship with this guy who was a chiropractor and had his own practice. And he and I had just talked about, I suggested to him, what if I quit my job and come work and help you at your practice? And sitting there on the couch in my session with Dr. Barry, and we're working through my father's stuff, and he helped me see that my strategy to survive, daddy always being busy, was when daddy was around to do whatever it takes to be around him. Mm. And as he helped me see that, I remember literally sinking in the couch (laughs) and saying, oh my God, oh my God. (laughs) I see the pattern. I see it with my current relationship and I saw it with every ex-boyfriend. I saw some version of that and I was like, wow. So this is how the script plays out. Mm -hmm. And this is why I attracted it again. That even though I felt my little, with the plant medicine, I felt through the sadness and the hurt and all of that, the energy moved, I purged it out, which is good. I didn't know that those were the beliefs connected to it. So I didn't know to replace those beliefs with your yeah. beliefs, which means out in the world, I was still living with the same script Mm -hmm. behaving the same way and therefore attracting the same scenes the same experiences and so yeah it was such a gift and such a realization and to know that okay so plants are good to work with (laughs) they have good medicine and i have to know myself enough i have to know my script enough and then if i want to work with a plant then i can so experienced real, true transformation for the first time and then integrated it for the next eight months. I quit my job three months after I gave myself 90 days. I wrapped up working with my mentor and I felt such a strong connection to my heart
3: Mm. and
2: my heart just wanted to play. My little girl, she just wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I was 34, 34 years old. And Ever since I was 14, I had a job. I was, always felt that I needed to do. There was never permission to just relax, mm-hmm. just be, just explore, just yeah. play. And so I was like, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to do that. I just want to get away. I want to write. I want to play. I want to sing. I want to play the ukulele. I want to hike, all that. And I was like, I'm going to give myself 90 days and mm-hmm. save up as much money as I can. And then one way to get to Maui, and we'll see where that leads me. Yeah. And I call that chapter in my life, my road trip with God. Mm-hmm. Because again, there was such a sweet surrender this time of whether I liked it or not. I had a plan. I did. I was like, I'm going to go to Maui, and then I'll go to Bali, and then I'll go to India. The yeah. whole like, eat, pray, love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, what
1: the answers are. You know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's not how it went, but how it went, again, was so miraculous that it strengthened, again, my relationship with the universe and really prepared me for entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. for being in business, because business does require a lot of that not knowing and being willing to sit in the unknown and receive what is meant to be for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In that road trip with God did it make sense for you also or were you fighting against yourself during that time like did it make sense in your mind or were you battling with yourself while you were playing or did you fully allow yourself to go there
2: i fully allowed myself to go there yeah Um, that's
1: what i I I felt every time you told that yeah yeah
2: it's also the gift of the energy of the islands i was Mm. on i ended up being on maui for two months and then i actually wouldn't have stayed that long but I was waiting for my passport to renew
3: <laughs>
2: again divine. Uh-huh. And I remember it was a Friday and my passport just came in that day. And I was talking to a girlfriend of mine. I'm like, I'm not sure where to go. Now I have it. Like, where do I want to go? And she says, well, why don't you island hop? And I go, because I don't know anyone. I have family on Maui. Yeah. But I was like, I don't know anyone on the other islands. <laughs> that seems really scary to me. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to just give myself the weekend, and then I'll decide if it's Bali or this or that or whatnot. So here's part of the miraculous that showed up. The very next day, Saturday, I uh, posted a picture on Facebook from Maui, and this guy, John, that used to live in California, messages me and says, you're on Maui? I'm on Kauai. If you're out here, I'd love to meet up. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. Okay. <laughs> Very next day, I swear, I swear to God, this <laughs> is not made up. I mean, it's out there, but it's yeah. not made up. I wake up Sunday morning to a text message from a girl who I wasn't even that close with. We hung out a few times right before I left for Maui, but I hadn't spoken to her since I left for Maui. I get a text message from her, and she's very out there. She's very connected, so she's definitely, my guides sent her. A yeah, <laughs> yeah. And she messages me and says, hey there, hope you're enjoying Maui. By the way, if you ever want to go to Kauai, I have a friend there that could host you and show you around. <laughs> and I was like, are you fucking kidding me in two days? Mm-hmm. So I was like, yes, please put me in touch mm-hmm. with brother Lance. Actually, he called me yesterday. I've talked to him in years. He yeah. reached out like, hey, just wondering how you're doing. Reached out to him. He's like, yeah, I can pick you up, show you around. I have a wow. place for you to stay. And four days later, I was welcomed to Kauai. Mm. So the power of the universe, rolling out the red carpet for wherever's supposed to be next. Mm. And Kauai was such medicine for me. Mm. It really healed my heart. And then after two and a half months there, it felt complete. It spit me out. Mm. <laughs> and I was ready. Five months of playing, writing, hiking, having love affairs, all mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> and I just felt, okay, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And I'd reached out to Dr. Barry and said, you know, I'm curious just to get some training from you <laughs> and see where I want to go with it. And I knew that Kauai was coming to an end. And again, didn't know where it was next. And a friend of mine, she sent out her newsletter. And I usually don't open newsletters, but I opened it and she was promoting these business coaches and I read the description of it. I'm like, they sound really great. But I'd love to work with them. I was doing like a intro seminar thing in San Francisco, messaged her, said, what do you think of them for me? She's like, oh, perfect fit. <laughs> Looked up flights. There was like a $200 ticket four days later to San Francisco one way, called up my friend David, Mm -hmm. David Naylor, who was living in San Francisco at the time, and said, I'm coming out. He goes, I'm on a motorcycle trip, but feel free to use my car, (laughs) stay at my home. And I'm like, wow, okay, universe, Mm -hmm. easy button. And yeah, so that's just a little, a little, I mean, there's so many more stories I could share of how miraculously, the universe supported me during Mm. that time and kept just guiding me and guiding me and guiding me. Mm. Yeah.
1: Mm. What was your family saying? What were your friends saying? Do you remember that?
2: You know, for my family, my parents, it was not their first time experiencing this with me. Uh, okay. (laughs) Their first time was when I left New York Mm -hmm. and that was hard. I was like, I know you guys are going to lose some sleep over the fact that I'm, going to california with no home no car no plan no job and two thousand dollars and this is what i have to do for me and they saw what i turned that into Mm -hmm. so there was more trust Mm -hmm. when this is what i wanted and needed was to just unplug and i led with just always sharing with them how i felt and so they were reassured like Mm -hmm. i was happy i was clear on what i was doing and same thing with friends. People know I'm confident when I make a choice now. My intuition guiding me. So that's all I remember, really. So I don't think anyone gave me any like major pushback around uh-huh. it. Yeah, they just saw me like living my best life at the time, and I'm sure mom lost some sleep over it, but she, she yeah. prayed a lot. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I often times with myself when, as you were sharing that. One of the reasons I asked that was in the past, when I was going through my own eat, pray, love experiences, and there was parts of me that wasn't giving myself permission to fully play, either because it was outside voices or just my own like inner drive. And every single time when I like, kind of sat that down was the right word, but heard that voice out, and I was like, okay, and I'm also going to play. Even if it was just a day or a week, it was always the most magical day or the most magical week that I would have every time I fully allowed myself to go into it. Yeah. And that's like a level of permission that I hope everyone gets to experience at some point in their lives. It's like truly going into that energy of just allowing and being. Yeah.
2: I really had nothing to fall back on. It's not like I own the business at the time. Yeah. I just quit my job. So there is nothing to do. Yeah. I am on the islands here and I'm just going to play yeah. and explore. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what it was. And I had enough money mm-hmm. saved up and I was living I mean, I had no car payment, no rent, mm-hmm. none of that stuff. So I could make it stretch a long way.
1: Yeah. I find that some of the most interesting people that I know have experiences like that, where they just, for whatever reason, life was like, nope, not this way. And there's some turmoil followed by play and travel and expanding themselves and then being ready and choosing. Mm-hmm. And I contrast that to like the way that I was living for 32 years was never again, never second guessing. It was just like, nope, this is the way, head down and go and ignoring all of those signs that were just like,
2: eh, maybe you should look
3: this way.
1: <laughs> and as you know, those sounds got louder for me as well.
2: Yeah, the feather, the brick, or the Mack truck.
1: That's right.
2: That's right. <laughs> or as She's I call it, one. you know, the little whisper in your ear, the tap on your shoulder, the yeah. punch, or the like, push you off the fucking cliff.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: I yeah. usually have taken the cliff. <laughs> yeah. To wake up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: What are the... Taps on the shoulders, or the punch in the gut, or what cliffs are you currently experiencing in your life right now? I won't judge what volume the universe is sending you, but what's the messages you're getting
3: now?
2: Mm, that I'm listening. To yeah. You too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say a recent one is my deep desire. I so so to my heart's deep desire to do less and mm. not less, like be lazy but to receive more. So similar to going back to that time and not necessarily for play, but it's been six years of driving and holding the vision for the business. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that really desires to be more in my creative energy, my feminine energy, to receive playhouse, house, mm-hmm. <laughs> to have a family. And that's not like tomorrow, Playhouse, not family tomorrow, but in the next year or so,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I am engaged. So I'm planning a wedding currently. And so knowing that, listening to that and knowing that it doesn't start with waiting till next year, mm-hmm. boom, it starts with starting to make room for it now. Yeah. yeah. It's been amazing to see the receiving, the opportunities that have showed up to receive from people, the help from people Mm -hmm. and just having you as my business partner that I know you want more of that Mm -hmm. leadership role to be the one holding it and driving it. And I'm just like, you don't need me on those calls anymore. I'm going to take my time back in Mm -hmm. that way Mm -hmm. and know that I'm worthy of that Mm -hmm. and that you do have it and that I do trust you Mm -hmm. and that I get to receive in that way and I get to use that time to be more creative or nurturing or taking care of myself Mm -hmm. yeah so i'd say listening to that and that wasn't a cliff yeah that's definitely even just a whisper Mm -hmm.
1: and it wasn't always that way with us we we definitely had our rocky points in learning how to work with each other and communicate with each other and i also got to witness you in some rocky points in your romantic partnership Mm mm-hmm Talk about what has shifted for you in the last year as it relates to either the relationship with me in business or your romantic partnership as far as what had to change for you.
2: I'd say in both, the theme is trust. Mm. What was modeled to me growing up was mom always being, love you, mom and uh, being fearful and therefore needing to control. Mm -hmm. So therefore what she's actually saying is, I don't trust others, Mm -hmm. I don't trust the world. So that was modeled to me. And so as I looked at like being in partnership with you and business with you, there was the expectation of how I thought it should look, Mm. which a lot of times I think we expect others to operate the same way we do. Yeah. and i'm the one that over communicates mm-hmm. and you just get shit done mm-hmm. and so i was I like talk about it, Yeah. he's <laughs> like he's like i don't talk i'll yeah. i'll show you <laughs> yeah. instead of talking about it mm-hmm. and the adjustment i needed to make mm-hmm. from making up a story of is he even here is he even doing this mm-hmm. i don't know that i trust that like he's doing enough yeah to then you showing me mm-hmm. And so, the lesson of what I'm learning is to not wait for that, to mm-hmm. really grant people to step more into a vulnerable place and trust before someone shows you. Take the leap before the net is obvious that it's there. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's something that I see and that I've grown and that I'm aware of and want to give people more permission to give to me. Mm-hmm. And for me to trust that I'm worthy of receiving.
1: Yeah. I think one thing that's important there as well is you communicated what you needed for that trust as well. So it wasn't just blindly just, oh, yeah, trust, do whatever. But you expressed what you needed. Mm -hmm. And so I think I learned a lot in that with you as well. And that's something that I'm really grateful for. Because I think the way that we navigated the last year of business partnership has helped me immensely in being an amazing partner down the road to a romantic partner, life partner, because it definitely showed me as well where, again, not everyone operates like I do.
2: Yeah. And what do they need? <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. What do they need? Yeah. It was really great year of growth for me in that way, too. And also, learning, but seeing the ways where I wasn't earning people's trust and I wasn't always showing up in a certain way. And so like facing that, and that has come up for me in recent partnerships with women as well. I was like, oh, okay, well, I could be a lot more clear here. I could be a lot more clear here. And I think the comfort and the safety that I felt with you in navigating it was about a year ago was when we really had those rocky yeah, when we were yeah, yeah, a little more.
2: Yeah, around like March April. When it just
1: started, right? yeah. We just started working together. But it was always done with you always showed up with so much safety.
2: Mm. And
1: I really appreciated that. And it showed me that it was possible to lean into that and mm, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. What about with your honey? Your honey. <laughs>
2: so uh yeah, my honey and I, Edwin. We've been together, in September will be four years. Yeah. Yeah. And he's shown me so much, learning so much. It's such a growth
1: relationship. <laughs> I watch it. And it's so beautiful. That's why I bring it up because I've watched your growth and your growth together and his growth and it's like fucking beautiful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And we, as you guys have heard, I've struggled with relationships. Mm. And two weeks before meeting Edwin, I let go of someone I was just dating and declared for the first time I get to have a hundred percent now. Now. And uh, quickly Edmund showed up and acted that way and told me on our second date, I feel like you're my person and I think solidified it with that. And like as if it was a contract mm-hmm. that we have together, which clearly is. There there's a lot of karma here and a lot of love here but wasn't in certain ways wasn't what my ego would choose yeah that's for sure he's wonderful he's a beautiful man but he has challenged my identity Mm -hmm. and so yes we had our honeymoon phase for sure but it's been a hard relationship and I only say that because the only reason it's hard is because it challenges the mm-hmm. identity. He mm-hmm. was
1: and, and you're actually facing that challenge. Facing it. And not just yeah. ignoring it.
2: Yeah. So it means it's not always going to be this way. It's yeah. going to be hard. And I remind him of that because <laughs> he doesn't come mm-hmm. from this world of self-development. So he sometimes can be a little rigid and think like this is the way it is now, is the way it's always going to be, and so, you know, maybe we shouldn't be together, and I'm yeah. just like, no, 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 this is growth. Yeah. <laughs> He's meeting his edges right. now. But one of the biggest gifts that he gave me was pointing out to me where I was in my masculine. Mm-hmm. It was not pleasant to hear, he would say it very bluntly. <laughs> <laughs> You're in your masculine. <laughs>
1: We're learning how to deliver those messages <laughs> with more grace.
2: Yeah, in the moments, uh-huh, it would be like uh-huh. that. But underneath it, it was like, I just want you to be vulnerable. And mm-hmm. He would say in these words, just be yourself, just be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And he had to say both of those things for two years before it started to click. And he stayed with me, right? He was patient. He loved me through it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I needed. Like going back to what you said about safety, there was a part of me that needed to feel safe with the man to really open up.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I had no idea what vulnerability looked like.
3: Yeah.
2: I wasn't modeled it. So him just saying it, I know the word, but it didn't have frameworks for me. So it's not like I made him wait two years on purpose. I was, I was trying. I was yeah. in the inquiry of it. I was moving through. And so patience is such a key word that I think in relationships, we need to have with each other. Mm-hmm. And he's really taught me what love is. Because when you love someone, and I remember a longtime mentor of mine used to say, love is loving someone for everything they are. Mm -hmm. and everything they're not. And he loved me through those moments where I wasn't showing up as my highest self. And so for those of you listening, like if your partner is showing up in a way that you don't love, can you love yourself enough to speak up and share with them how it makes you feel and at the same time have compassion for them and love them through it so that they have time to unlearn and become that best version of themselves. And so we're still going through new layers of that. Mm-hmm. But wow, have we just moved and grown, moved mountains together mm-hmm. and have grown so much. And it's you know, so fun now to have access to my femininity and mm-hmm. play in that and see how it lights him up. And uh, I only recently, in the past month, have retired my little girl. Mm. And what I mean by that is, and ladies and gentlemen, some of Mm -hmm. you know this and have done this in relationships where, you know, you have this little like cute voice and personality and it's easy to play. It's easy to connect in this like from this like sweet voice. Mm -hmm. And I had that strong. I had it strong in past relationships. And then even with him. And he even, he named her early on Annabelle. So yeah, so whenever he'd be like, is that Annabelle? Mm -hmm. And I loved it and I played into it. And then I remember picking up this book on relationships. I can't think of the name. And it mentioning something about that. And so knowing that I should probably stop doing that did not make a difference Yeah, you have to be ready mm-hmm. something in you has to be ready and i didn't my, make myself wrong for it it was a protector it was it yeah. was where i, so I was found border border yeah border. where i found a lot of times a level of safety is like we can play like kids together mm-hmm. We even had nicknames for each other around that. (laughs) We went to the zoo one time and I'm like, and he speaks Spanish. He's from Puerto Rico. So I was like, babe, how do you say monkey in Spanish? He said, and he's like, Mono. And I'm like, Mono? I'm like, that's the cutest name. I was like, and I started calling him Mono. Yeah. And I would say it with this like cute voice, like Mono. (laughs) And he started calling me Mono. Because that's how you say it for a girl. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so and it was, you know, throughout our day or time spending together, I'd say over 50% of it was spent, like, being cute and funny in this way together. Mm-hmm. And it was about a month ago. I think we were just in Puerto Rico. We were actually there to get wedding venues and stuff. It just clicked for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> no more Mona. <laughs> yeah.
3: Exactly. He's
2: still adjusting and I'm still attaching myself. Yeah. But I'm really enjoying stepping into the queen, mm, stepping yeah. into the mature woman mm. that speaks more vulnerably. And boy, have I been vulnerable the past month. I mean, he's held me and I've cried like four times. And we've never done that before either. Mm. And so I'm just enjoying being more soft. Feminine, vulnerable and, you know, playful is fine, yeah. but it doesn't need to be with that voice. And maybe it's like 5% right. Of, right. Our time, of our time together. Like, yeah, let's be silly and uh-huh. goofy and like tackle each other and laugh and tickle each other and all that stuff. And so I'm celebrating that. I'm celebrating mm-hmm. me being ready and choosing to just be vulnerable, to know that like I can, I'm safe enough to just soften mm-hmm. and I don't need to put on this little voice yeah. in order to connect with my partner Mm.
1: did you name that with him did you have like a funeral for Mona
2: (laughs) I mean not that but but yeah I I definitely had it as a a conversation Mm. although I don't think that I gave context and explained it like I just did Mm. now but I will share that with him as to why and what I see. But the other day he said something, he was a Mona, and I'm just like, Who's that? Ah.
3: <laughs> yeah. So I've been
2: doing that so that it helps him to break out of it because mm. I get it's been like habitual. It's become yeah. habitual. Yeah, it's
1: part of the foundation of the relationship.
2: Yeah. So to break that and to reclaim my throne and mm. let him know. That. Yeah. Now the queen is here. And, mm. you no, know, I stopped a while ago. I've shifted in the past six months, I'd say, from calling him Mono all the time to mi amor, mi amor. my love mm-hmm. and i'll say it in spanish i'll say it in english and just like really honoring him mm-hmm. as my love and so yeah i feel like we've graduated
3: mm-hmm. yeah. there's something
1: so powerful in names and labels that we use for ourselves and for each other mm-hmm. it's, you literally it was a play name and now it's a name of love mm-hmm. and admiration Honoring, so it's literally like you elevated the relationship to a different vibration.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And now you know he's meeting his edges.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. In relationship and his career, and in the past few weeks, mainly like during the time when the new moon in Cancer was happening. I don't know about you guys, but that energy first two weeks of July. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think we all ugly (laughs) cried (laughs) few times. You know, we got into stupid little arguments. Uh I mean, because for the most part, that's all couples have. That's what they are. They're (laughs) all stupid (laughs) little arguments. Yeah, it's nothing nothing real or major here. Well, maybe we shouldn't be together. He would throw out there. And after, like, the fifth time that it happened, Mm -hmm. I said, well, you know, care to elaborate, like where mm. is this coming from? And yeah, he just spoke a lot of his a lot of his fears mm-hmm. and it was hard to hold it. It was a little hurtful and hard to hold it, but I have skills, I have tools. And I was able to and then, you know, I was very, very vulnerable the whole day. Like I was raw.
3: Mm-hmm. I could
2: cry on the spot. And we are out to dinner and he's like, what do you need? I go, well, When we get home, I need you to hold me. Mm-hmm. while I just express more of like what's there and while uh, I have a good cry. And what I realized is as smart as he is and he's that he's the guy that his friends go to. Yeah. So I said to him, smart as you are, you can't be that for yourself. And I can't be the first mm-hmm. person that you dump all your fears on mm-hmm. to process it. It's a boundary for me and you need to have somebody that you talk to as you are meeting edges right now, meeting places that you've never been, confronting the fact that, yeah, you're you're gonna get married soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My friend Christine calls it the engagement initiation process. Mm-hmm. And so, you know something
1: happens in that time between making the decision and mm-hmm. the decision. Actually.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's different. I'd say for me, it's the process that I've been going through of letting go of the nicknames of a mm-hmm. little girl, of owning being a future wife, a queen stepping more into receiving mm-hmm. feminine energy mother. like that's been my initiation. I don't have the fear of marriage. I imagine, you know, it's, it's common that for men, it's the fear of losing mm-hmm. themselves and their freedom. Mm-hmm. And for a woman, it's can you allow yourself to be supported and, and received
3: mm.
2: and let go and let the man lead? Mm. I mean, the woman directs, the man leadership. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I said that to yeah. him. I said that to him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I was like, the woman's the director, the man's leader. And he's like, what? Yeah he doesn't see that yet
1: yeah there's something and you know i was there myself when i wasn't accessing my own feminine at all and i didn't see the value in it but when i witness someone like really in their feminine the intuition is on point like it's on fire and i think that's where there's a connection to and i can tap into my feminine but it's different like witnessing you when you're really in that you're just there's like a knowing. I'm like, okay. And I trust that now. That's like like the dynamic that we're figuring out, this like leading and directing. It's like, okay. It's like you've got something that you're tracking here that is really important to pay attention to. So now how do we bring that into reality? And I never could have held that, like even just a year ago. And I didn't see the difference between those two either. That mm-hmm. that directing and leading. And yeah, I think, I'm learning that in, again, in this relationship right here with you. And um, it's allowing me to trust the feminine inside of myself and also outside of myself a lot more as well, to like feel how valuable that is. Mm -hmm. And I never did my whole life. I didn't see the value in it. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Yeah, I imagine you will.
2: Yeah, I'm patient. I see it. I see it. I'm not necessarily here always to point it out to him, Mm -hmm. or I should say, I don't point it out to him until he asks me and grants Mm -hmm. me
3: permission. That's a lot of patience.
2: Yeah. A lot of patience. And sometimes it takes hitting that point of like breakup. Yeah. to click you mm-hmm. know we, we had a again a, another stupid fight <laughs> a, <disagreement laughs> yeah. a couple weeks ago
3: mm-hmm.
2: and he was like I don't think we should be together that's mm-hmm. it I think we should break up this isn't healthy and I'm sitting there listening and I'm like what is he talking about mm-hmm. this is not a healthy relationship I mean relationships that aren't healthy guys it's because you're being together means you're doing more harm than good and I was yeah. like this is not accurate he is not in his right mind and you know what i said you're right you mm. shouldn't be together because <laughs> i was like i am done with this Two weeks of this charade of him saying this. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to give him what he said, what he thinks he wants. (laughs) And I said, you're right. We shouldn't be together. We don't listen to each other. Yep, you're right. And he like slowly got up from the couch while like still keeping eye contact with me. And he's like, I'm going to go for a walk. And there's a letter here. And I'm like, okay. He's like, I hope you're still up when I get back. And normally, guys, Mm -hmm. I'm in bed by then. But if my relationship depends on it, mm-hmm. I'll stay up. And so he came back. And you know, this is this is something important. We were talking about this on our on our call today. Mm-hmm. Side note that, you know, in a relationship, if neither one of you is able to connect, reconnect to the other, it means you need some space to connect to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I really commend him for knowing that in that moment and taking that. And he came back, and we were able to have real conversation. A real conversation. And he asked me, yeah, I said something about the moon, and uh, actually it was out. It was really beautiful. It was like clouds were peeking in front of it. And he's like, oh, right. What What is this cycle about? He's like, you have to keep me up to date on this stuff. Because I think he realized in yeah. that moment how it was affecting him. Astrologically, I think his moon is in Cancer. Yeah. So, like and smacked and then and I said to him honey you're just meeting your edges
3: Mm -hmm.
2: he just got a new job executive role at Microsoft like huge responsibilities and it's like
3: Mm.
2: he's on the edge he's like I just want to quit he just wants to quit that. he just wants to break up with me (laughs) he just wants to go back and be a boy living in mommy's house yeah is what he said and I said you're meeting your edges and if you can be there mm-hmm. and work with it, you could expand mm-hmm. to more of what it is that you want. And he asked me, what do you think my edge is in our relationship?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, yes.
2: <laughs> Permission
1: granted. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing like the family feud board where it's like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> ding 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 yes yeah, yeah, yeah It's a question that i've been waiting yeah. for to for you to give me a chance to answer mm. and i said it's it's solo edwin yeah it's uh the independent cuz he said the night before he's like look i'm 42 years old he loves his life he loves his alone time he knows how to entertain himself like mm-hmm. he would you know a part of him yeah would totally be okay single well, right but that's his identity right and so i said it's it's the part of you that's, that's still holding on to solo edwin to han solo i yep. said not even knowing for those of you that are star wars fans <laughs> i didn't really even know the story of han solo right. but turns out you know edwin looked back at me he's like wait what did you just say do you know the story of han solo <laughs> He was all yeah, about his so independent. Yeah. Yeah. and then Princess Leia came around. I'm like, "Yeah, hi, Princess hey. Leia. <laughs> Good to meet you." And I just pointed out to him more specifically where, in a lot of ways, he does operate as a we. Mm-hmm. He definitely he thinks of us. Yeah. He makes plans with us. Like he has that intention. But what he didn't see is where he still operates as solo Edwin. Mm-hmm. At times he would say, You know, I don't need you to cook for me. Like, I don't need you. Like, he made sure that I knew he does not need me. Yeah. And there's no room for partnership there. There's a lack of receiving Mm -hmm. on his part. Mm -hmm. And again, he receives. This is so common for her. The the, the feminine, and like for, for him, there's more room for him to receive as well think the lesson that both Ellen and I have learned being together as we have both come into it strong in our alphas mm-hmm. is more the omega, yes. more receding for both of us. And so that's what I pointed out to him. And he, he received it. Yeah. He definitely heard it. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, like divinely, what showed up the following morning is, and we went to bed at 2 a.m., Mm -hmm. long great conversations totally worth it and he jumps into meetings at 8 a.m and uh, he had a break at 10 a.m and he comes over to me in the house and he's just like i just want to go home i'm like home what do you mean home you are home he's like no to like my mom's where she can just take care of everything so basically you know he just wants to go be that boy that doesn't have any responsibilities and that's just not realistic Mm So I looked at him and I it's said, like a well, it's, of "It's a fantasy, not
1: a responsibility." Yet. And
2: and again, it's the solo Edwin thinking the only place to go is back to mommy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I said, "As your partner, as your fiance, how can I support you? Because mm-hmm. you are on the edge. You have a lot of responsibilities. You're yeah. putting in sometimes eleven hour days with mm-hmm. work nonstop. How can I support you?" And it's like a light bulb lit up, like, whoa, right, I can be supported. It's like massages in the evening. If you can food shop and cook and help with cleaning or do the cleaning. Um, And I go, yes, I have space for all that. Mm -hmm. It is such a gift after the conversation the night before to step into that. And then it's been you know this whole it's just been this week no there we <laughs> it's been about this was like a week and a half ago that yeah. we had this conversation and it's been so great for him to see it and acknowledge mm-hmm. me for it because mm-hmm. I've supported him before Yeah, but because he was coming from I don't need it it never registered where he would never remember it And Mm -hmm. he'd always say, I do so much for us. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't, you never think of me. That was one of our fights a few weeks ago. I never think of you. Mm -hmm. And I said, do we need to write it on a piece of paper and both sign every time I do something to support you? Mm -hmm. I think he couldn't receive it until he got to a point now where he has no choice. He really can't. He's like, I didn't eat lunch today. I made a quick shake for myself. He's not able to take care of of himself. Right. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: So it's the perfect storm.
1: Perfect storm. It's like what's needed.
2: What's needed for his identity to come down and for him to see the value Uh in our partnership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, He created that for himself and I'm grateful for it. And I know he is too. So I know we're going to look back at this and say, you know, these were some of the pivotal moments to help us align more and outgrow our past identities. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. It's such a common one, uh, especially for men, this like
1: not having needs or being weak to have needs or to let other, other people, do something for you and meanwhile like that shit's happening all the time everywhere people are doing things for but it's almost worse because people are doing stuff for us and we're not recognizing it instead the story is i don't have needs no one supports me i take care of everyone and it almost takes i actually went through that like it almost takes like getting so beaten down to admit that like okay please take care of me please do something for like yes please i need to be supported in this moment
2: yeah that was him this week as you can say that's his rock bottom
1: hell yeah Mack truck hit boom (laughs) needs fulfilled
2: yeah so that's a little bit about my relationship yeah and i am very clear that who we are today is not going to be who we will be 10 years from now Mm -hmm. and that we will look back and be so grateful that we were willing to ruffle, ruffle some feathers, rub some edges and grow together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited for our life together as growth partners. I love
1: that. I love that. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a good example for growing in love Mm-hmm. Just falling in love because that's easy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our identity has questioned it. We've yeah, had doubts. For sure. Many doubts along our relationship because it hasn't always looked like we're in love or, you know, mm-hmm. perfect easy relationship where we have things in common and we're different in a lot of ways. But I truly believe that the reason we chose each other. Is to complete some karma here, and you know that, and to get more aligned with our highest self, and actually discover how aligned we are mm-hmm. at that level.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I can see what, what I really love. I can see him like leaning into the side a little bit, like the side of the street.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> he's so intelligent, and so you know, like, so in the mind, I can see him like
2: kind of like what's that over there? It's interesting. <laughs> he is, and he's. <laughs> so energetically aware as well uh he there's there's so many things that he said that he's like he picks up on my energy so mm-hmm. fast so he is connected but where he spends most of his time professionally he right. has to is in his mind but he does he does have that balance Love that. um but yeah, you've known him now for two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've seen him grow. He's yeah. seen you grow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the funniest stories you told me the other night about when he witnessed me after not seeing me for
2: six months. Six months. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, saw him and he was <laughs> like, like, whoa. And he was so interested in talking to you yeah, because he, he felt you so mm-hmm. there and yeah. so grounded and yourself. Fully myself. Because when he met you, again, he's so aware that. Mm-hmm. When he met you, he said to me, he's like, yeah, he's not, he doesn't know himself yet. Or I don't remember exactly yeah. how he said it, but he just knew that mm-hmm. you weren't yeah. in your highest self mm-hmm. yet. And so when he saw you six months later, he was so impressed mm-hmm. and so curious. Yeah, oh, I you remember you.
3: it. <laughs> I you remember that.
2: Do. I want some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> One year
1: of deep healing work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was at that point. Almost exactly to a year mm-hmm. from that moment that he said that, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. We have a double date tonight. <laughs> we do, yeah. <laughs> Chris's ex-wife Bryn is in town. Bryn is one of my mm-hmm. soul sisters and dear friends. And so the four of us are mm-hmm. going out to dinner. And I said to Chris, I go, Edwin hasn't been with the two of you together since yeah. in two years since you guys since were still together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Together. So, I mean, he's aware obviously of how beautifully you both have transitioned your yeah. marriage, but I am very fascinated to see how he experiences the two mm-hmm. of you together tonight, even though you're not together. Yeah. It's going to blow his mind. <laughs> and I think for someone who, like a lot of men and women too, but definitely hear this from men, and this is one of his stories, you know, has a fear of marrying the wrong person. Yeah. I think there's so much to learn from the gift of, like, your divorce.
3: Yeah.
1: Of
2: seeing, like, okay, you didn't marry the wrong person. I didn't marry the wrong person, no. You married the right person for 10 years. At the right time. (laughs) At the right time. Mm -hmm. And both of you guided Uh, each other to that graduation point where, okay, this contract is complete. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Very, very clearly now, like, Mm -hmm. looking back very clear now what we were in each other's lives for and we needed to be I always say I would not be the man I am today without her without that relationship and without the way that it ended too
2: yes I think it helps people to see like don't be so attached to holding on to that fixed destination I mean I'm engaged now, but yeah, for all I know, yeah. Edwin and I may not be together forever, right. but right now, what we're together here for, when I keep choosing this,
3: mm-hmm.
2: what I'm choosing is this, yeah. is what it is right now and the growth of it right now. Yeah. And of course, holding, I'm not gonna lie, holding the vision mm-hmm. for what we want to create together.
3: Yeah.
1: I think it's such a um, really a lot to hold that paradox of partnership and growth and relationships. And like my model was you choose and you choose once. And then that's what you got for the rest of your life. But in the model that I, I see and that I'm really adopting and really feeling into is that it's every moment choosing choose and choose again you commit you choose and commit and, choose and commit and choose and i think that is new for a lot of people
2: and it's empowering to know that at every moment you still do have choice mm-hmm. yeah you.
1: and it's not coming from need <laughs> it's not coming from like i need to be with you because of I get love, love from you, or whatever support, or whatever. It's I'm choosing to be with you. Like mm-hmm. I'm choosing
3: to be in this. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: yeah, long time mentor one time said that uh, mm-hmm. on his wedding day, he and his wife, one of their vows was, "I vow to never know you."
3: Mm-hmm.
2: How many That's times discovered. do we put our partner in a box and? think that this is how they are and when they act any other way, it's like, wait, that's not like you
4: Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) or not believing that you could ever show up any other way. And so I just find it so powerful to vouch to not know someone and to continue to give them the space to choose who they want to be, how they want to show up, Mm -hmm. and if they want to grow.
1: And how exciting, too, that you get to continue being curious about this person and continue learning and continue allowing them to show you and show themselves.
2: It's exciting and it's confronting. I have my moments, too, where I, you know, I just want to have a tantrum. I just want it to be easy. Mm. I just want it to be great already. I just have to be this way, so, you know, I'm not going to lie and say that it's always like so easy to choose, but that's what I'm learning love is, not the fairy tale of love. But love is like really the rise, like the choosing to love. And not from a place of martyr like making sure that you're also choosing to love yourself. In that. So That you're speaking up for your needs and that it creates friction and then you get to grow and all that so loving yourself and then loving your partner even if they're not showing up in their highest meaning having compassion for them Mm -hmm. and giving them another chance to rise up and to show up in their highest self and so that's been a practice and a really Mm. necessary practice maybe a book one day <laughs> see how the journey unfolds yeah i'm like wow i'm learning so much so um, much from this relationship
1: yeah i mean alone just the what we share on a weekly basis in the calls that we leave would be a plug. just like that like just, uh, we're recording it all i guess <laughs> yeah because it's great and I think that's one of the gifts is of doing this work and supporting others. Is I'm constantly learning. I'm learning from other people's experience, learning from my own, and the processing it and the sharing it. I'm like, oh, I'll be on the call and i will share something. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know I got to that place. Like I didn't even yeah. realize yeah. that was there.
2: Yeah, I think the gift of giving to others as a coach, as a facilitator, holding space for others, is it keeps me in yeah. the conversation. So I don't necessarily always have to intentionally go and do my inner work. I am in the work all the time, moving the work, reminded of it. And I think that's why uh, some of our past graduates just love being back on the calls in the conversation. We just did our two-day workshop and we had some graduates on there that they know the information. They're just like, I just want to be back in the energy of it where it gets me feeling and thinking and realigning.
1: Yeah. That's one thing I'm so excited about and I'm passionate about is like creating that as a norm, Mm -hmm. creating the norm that container that we set and we hold is available for everyone all the time. And I know we're going to do it within the context of training camp for the soul but like my hope is that people's lives can get to be like what we have every day where we share vulnerably we ask about each other's feelings we go deeper than like the weather and what was your day yeah,
2: yeah and you know it starts with safety it mm-hmm. starts with people feeling safe than their, their own self mm-hmm. so i'm right there with you that is our mission mm-hmm. and our vision And hopefully in this lifetime, we will get to experience that spreading. Just imagine there being classes where this Mm -hmm. is taught in elementary school. Kids understand what emotions are, Mm -hmm. how to feel them, how to move through them, how to nonviolently communicate with each Mm -hmm. other, and eventually not need those classes anymore because... Those kids will be parents and they can just model that for their kids. So
1: that's why I see it's so beautiful that witnessing some of our friends and people that are now raising young kids that have done so much really deep unlearning work and relearning how to parent themselves. And those kids just have. Not that nothing's ever going to happen. They're not going to have their own things, but it gets lighter, and it get there's less, I imagine there'll be less for them to deal with, and there'll be less unlearning.
2: You know, there may be just as much for them to deal with mm. differences. They'll be able to deal with. It. Mm. I was yes, just asked. Yeah, I was just interviewed for a documentary, Post Traumatic mm-hmm. Growth, and they asked me the question, "Define trauma," mm-hmm. and I never said this before, but Really, to me, is how I want there to be a new context for trauma. And I said, trauma is any experience that you didn't have the capacity to be with. Mm. And so you needed some way, therefore, then to survive it. And so I believe that our job as parents in the future, you know, or for parents with their kids, is to prepare them, to equip them with the capacity. Mm. I remember having a client that she has two kids and she would always say to her kids, the world is a dangerous place. The world is a dangerous place. You know, I just make sure that they know that the world is a dangerous place. And I go, okay. So them knowing that the world is a dangerous place, what does that do for them?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Keep them like from going out into the world? Yeah. And I said to her, what if you actually prepared them? If you do believe that's true, mm-hmm. I'm not telling you to throw that out and say it's not true because in some places, and some experiences, it is, you know, there's still sex trafficking happening, things like that, right? So how can we prepare? How can we teach our kids to build that? Resiliency, that emotional resiliency, our nervous system's capacity to have something happen, have a shock, you know, get shocked, have, you know, a quote unquote experience and know how to navigate it, know how to feel through it. Yeah, I feel that's our job. So, yeah, it'd be great if it could become heaven on earth and nothing ever happens and we all live you know frolicking together and hugging and loving each other and that is a dangerous thing too to only expose and think that it's going to be because like that what wouldn't
1: have that capacity
2: yeah. And, and just there's going to be polarity. There's always going to be that. There's, there is. there is, And so it's not about sheltering and only showing them that. It's about giving them that. And at the same time, teaching them and preparing them and equipping them with how to be with any experience, whether it's from knowing how to express their needs, set their boundaries, or just feel the feels feel the emotions or things that happen like most likely heartbreak is going to happen you're going to date someone your first love (laughs) is for most of us our first love is not who we end up being with forever so you're going to experience that heartbreak and like do you want to know how to move through that
3: yeah
2: and my first heartbreak took me two years to Mm. move past like come on so let's prepare them all
3: Mm yeah yeah we're doing a pretty good job of preparing some people.
2: We are. Mm-hmm. We definitely are. And it's amazing. It's a real gift to be in that role mm-hmm. and grant people permission again to take back their power. And it's vulnerable, too, to be at this place of wanting so much more for humanity, having a mission of ending generational trauma, of normalizing healing, And that mission being so much bigger than us, which has been a gift. And you know, we only got clear on that mission about two or three months ago. And it's brought at least me into like a vulnerable place, which in vulnerability, there's like, there's room to receive, there's room to be seen. So I'm sharing this right now to say that like it's edgy talking about when you asked me before what's my edge is just owning that that's the mission that i want to stand behind and i don't know how to get there yeah. and i know that it's not just going to be you and me or even just training camp and soul mm-hmm. and so it's a beautiful experience to experience something that much bigger mm-hmm. you know they say like get behind something that's bigger than you I didn't know that I would feel like this and this is what it feels like currently you know talk to me in a year it may be very different but (laughs) at the moment it feels vulnerable and I feel that all I could do is just continue to stand behind it and surrender to it and trust that I'm supported Mm -hmm. and that the universe is going to support us in this Mm -hmm. that's my anchor Mm -hmm. for it that's my mantra
3: speaking of which people
1: should know this at this point, but if people want to find this work, where, where do they find a knot and training campus?
2: I hang out on Instagram. <laughs> I'm getting better at like <laughs> being visible on Instagram
1: and stories. As the eyes are rolling, by the way, if
3: <laughs> well, you
1: want know a reluctancy I have happening. To say, I, I
2: get it. I get it. My generation, I know, I know. like I didn't have a cell phone till I was senior in college. Mm-hmm. I'm almost forty two. So it's not natural for yeah. me. It just isn't. I look at millennials or people that do it, and I'm not saying there aren't people closer to my age that do it, mm-hmm. but something about it, I'm really having to learn to embrace. But anyway, to answer your question, I do message every new follower. Personally, I'll DM you because I want to get to know you. I don't want you just hiding and following me. Mm-hmm. I want to know you and why the hell are you are following me and how we can grow together, support each other. So if you're looking to connect, you have a question for me, then definitely Insta and possibly Clubhouse soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's been whispering to me Mm -hmm. as a place where I want to just share and give, share and give. Yeah. And trainingcampforthesoul.com, which will have all our current offerings.
1: Mm -hmm. And we have a new class. By the time this episode airs, new class will be in a few weeks.
2: Yeah, September 8th. September 8th or 9th.
1: September 9th and then uh, retreat following October.
2: Either one of those interests you. Apply. And we'll see what's the best fit.
3: Awesome. Thank you
1: for joining me. uh, We could easily go for 12 more hours. Yeah. And I imagine there'll be more episodes in the future as we continue to learn and grow and hit more edges. And we have new new things to share. Yeah. Thank you for being on. Thank you. And I'm going to share boldly. For those that heard that, Anat was reminding me to ask the question that I asked every (laughs) last guest. And
2: this was my idea.
1: Yeah, this was. This was her idea. And I've been asking it. I've been loving it and hearing the responses. And that question, as you know, is what does vulnerability mean to Mm enough?
2: As I've shared so much around that on this call today, you know, what it means to me, what I'm learning that it really means to me is freedom to receive. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Yeah. When I'm vulnerable, I'm surrendered, I'm open. Mm -hmm. And therefore, There's just so much freedom to receive. That's what it means to me. It's really nice to say that and to be here after being in the inquiry for so long around what is it. And to now be able to say that from experiencing it, like embodying the experience of the gift of vulnerability when we give ourselves that, what it really is that you're giving yourself is freedom and more receiving freedom to receive thank you thank you
1: you are so welcome it's been an honor and a privilege talking with you today thank you so much for this last hour and 40 minutes and all the time that we spend together it's such a pleasure to do this life with you and the way that we do we spend a lot of business time together and we also spend a lot of personal time together I love not I get to support each other through all the all the fun fun stuff
2: yeah we the messy cry. stuff we do
1: we do each other. <laughs> we trade off very often and um, I love every second of it so thanks for being on here Thank
2: you and thank you listeners for tuning in to a little bit of my life
1: Yeah and this actually just came to me is like thank you Anat for helping to make this podcast a reality you really did encourage this out of me this came up for me well over six months ago around my birthday December last year and I resisted it and it didn't make sense and I kept pushing it off but it kept showing up and you know every time it came up you were like just do it do it now's the time do it and I really appreciate that I've been loving every second of it and so Thank you.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. I think you're phenomenal at it. People need to hear your message and allow themselves to become fully expressed.
3: Mm, thank you.
1: Folks, check out the lovely Not Perry on the gram. And also check out trainingcampforthesoul.com. It's where you'll find out about all the amazing work that we do together, the virtuals, the retreats, and all that good stuff. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Fully Expressed Podcast. If you enjoyed it, as always, please share it with someone. Please write us a review. I'm told that's a good thing, so please do it. (laughs) Yeah, as always, if this episode or this podcast has inspired you, it's helped in your healing process, please let me know. Please share that with me in any way that feels good for you. Thank you all so much.
0: Listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Anat Perry. I hope you enjoyed all that Anat shared in this episode. We went deep into her personal relationships, her own journey, and shared a lot of wisdom about the inner child and emotional healing work that we do together. Again, if this work resonates with you, And if you want to support me, Anat, in this podcast, please go over to trainingcampforthesoul.com and check out all the programs and retreats that we offer. At the time of this air of this episode, we have a new program starting on September 9th. It's a virtual program that you can take from anywhere in the world and you get to work directly with Anat and myself. If the in-person experience calls you, we also have a retreat we're hosting in Estes Park, Colorado, in October. All those details can be found at trainingcampforthesoul.com. And if you loved what Anat shared, go over and follow her on Instagram as well. She posts a lot of amazing content there at anat.perry, P E R I. Thank you all for listening. Please leave us a review. Share this with someone you love. And as always, please let me know what you think of this podcast. By sending me a direct message on Instagram at Chris Marhefka. And check out ChrisMarhefka.com for all of the episodes of the Fully Express podcast. Thank you all for joining and stay tuned for next week's vulnerable episode.